here we go. This is the Skip Bayless Show, episode 52, live from Super Bowl 57, right here in Arizona. Forgive us, it's a little chilly out here, it's a little windy. It's a lot noisy. Hope you can't hear some of the things that I can hear in the backdrop, but what a view behind me. What a scene this week here in Arizona, as I'm about to relate to you. This is always is the un-undisputed. It's everything I cannot share with you during the two and a half hour debate show that is undisputed. This is my Super Bowl special. This is your show because you're about to be my Super Bowl stars, because from start to finish in this episode, I'm answering only your questions about what's really going on with me here during Super Bowl week. I'm about to begin with, for me, the toughest question that you have asked. And as always, this is not to be skipped. I've touched on this theme before, but let's go deeper, shall we? This is Frankie from Lawrence, Kansas. Does your hatred for the Eagles trump your love for Jalen Hurts? That is a great and painful question, Mr. Frankie from Lawrence, Kansas. I have a feeling I'm not in Kansas anymore as I speak. This has been, for me pardon my language, the damnedest Super Bowl week I have ever experienced. And as I'm about to relate to you, I've experienced a whole bunch of them, almost 40. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I've said that before on Undisputed. I have a cousin named Mary Lou who lives up near Seattle who's probably listening to this. She has taken me to task several times via text over saying on live national TV that I actually hate anything. You can't hate a football team. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles, and I have since I'm a little kid, and I am unapologetic about that cousin Mary Lou up near Seattle. I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again because it was my Freudian slip, if you will a Freudian slip by my mom. I couldn't have been more than eight years of age, living in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Big fan of the Oklahoma Sooners because it was all we had to root for because at that point, as yet, there were no Dallas Cowboys. But I still hated the Eagles because at one point, one August, they played an exhibition game, a preseason game, in Norman, Oklahoma, which is sort of a suburb, if you will, of Oklahoma City, site of the University of Oklahoma, because they had a great All-American receiver by the name of Tommy McDonald, who at that point played for the Eagles, was actually the star of the Eagles in those days. So my mom and dad went to watch the game just because they loved OU football and loved Tommy McDonald. But my mom made the mistake of bringing home for me what in those days was called a pennant. I don't think they even sell pennants anymore but it was that ugly, erpy eagle's green, and she tacked it up on the wall of my bedroom without asking my permission, and I was stuck with it, just the way I was stuck with some of the socks my grandmother used to give me for Christmas, and I'd say, oh, I love these. Oh, I love that pennant, Mom. 
and I'm stuck with it tacked up to my wall. I, I, I let it last maybe a month and then very quietly snatched it down, very quietly placed it at the very bottom of a full trash can so that my mom would not know that I threw her pennant away. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. I hated Dick Vermeil's Eagles, late 70s, early 80s. I was there that day at the vet, as they called it, place for rabid animals, those Eagles fans. I was there when my Cowboys played the Eagles in what was the 1980 season NFC championship game. I think it was like 40 below windshield. It was almost like the ice bowl up in Green Bay. The Eagles somehow won that game 20 to seven. They wanted it more. Dick Vermeil was sleeping in the office every night. He was on a mission to dethrone Tom Landry's Dallas Cowboys. It was so cold, nobody could throw that day. Ron Jaworski, my friend from ESPN, who I'd actually covered as a Rams quarterback, believe it or not, was the quarterback for the Eagles that day. He, he completed nine of 29 passes for a grand total of 91 yards with no touchdowns and two interceptions. And somehow the Eagles still beat my Cowboys 20 to seven because Wilbert Montgomery, maybe you remember him, maybe you don't, but he could really tote the rock. He went for 194 yards rushing that day because nobody wanted to tackle anybody because it was too, pardon my French, too damn cold at the vet full of rabbit animals. And then here came Buddy Ryan's Philadelphia Eagles. If you might recall, 1989, the first year of Jerry and Jimmy's Cowboys, Buddy Ryan put out a bounty on our kicker, on our kicker, Luis Zendejas. A $200 bounty on our kicker? Who puts out a bounty on a kicker? You want to talk about a cheap, cheap shot? It was only 200 bucks. Low-hanging fruit. Easiest prey in pro football is the poor kicker running for his life. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. I even remember at the time, in the Buddy Ryan days, I, I flew one time on the Cowboy Charter, the, the team plane to Philadelphia. And I remember talking to the travel agent who, who ran travel groups that actually went to Philadelphia for some games as they went to Washington for some games, as they went to the Giants for some games. And she told me that the one place she told all of her patrons they could not wear their cowboy garb was in Philadelphia. The only place in the NFL you cannot identify yourself as a cowboy fan is in Philadelphia because it's just too dangerous. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. Those fans once upon a time booed Santa Claus. Those fans threw snowballs at Santa Claus down on the field. Those are the same fans who cheered when my guy, Michael Irvin, 1999, lay motionless on the turf with a spinal injury that ended his career, and they cheered and they cheered and they cheered some more at the vet, full of rabid animals, the vet. I hate the Eagles. But I love me some Jalen Hurts. If you watch Undisputed, if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I love me some Jalen Hurts. Loved him at Alabama. Loved him when he quarterbacked for a season, my Oklahoma Sooners. I love every fiber of that kid's body, that young man's body. He's only 24 years of age. He's got one of the strongest football backbones I have ever witnessed. 
He was raised by his father, a high school coach who coached Jalen in high school. He was raised the right way to play the game the right way. He is a natural born leader. He is a playmaker. He is a driving force that has changed that franchise. I tweeted the moment he was drafted in the second round. Congratulations, Eagles. Your life just changed. Carson Wentz was a bust. I kept telling my debate partner on Undisputed, Shannon Sharp, you're barking up the wrong tree. Carson Wentz, as he called him, walk it to him, Wentz. No, bounce it to him, Wentz. Carson Wentz, I started calling him, as in respelling his last name, W-I-N-C-E, because I winced every time he dropped back and tried to hit an open receiver from the pocket. He had all the measurables, 6'5", 240, rocket arm, no leadership intangibles. Jalen Hurts is the flip side of Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts has changed the culture in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts allowed the Eagles to name some guy named Nick Sirianni, the new head coach. Allowed Nick Sirianni to get away with acting so goofy, so silly in his opening press conference. Allowed Nick Sirianni to be the head coach now of the favored Eagles in the Super Bowl, all because of Jalen Hurts at quarterback, at leader, at driving force, weight room, locker room, sideline, huddle. Jalen Hurts drives the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts is a playmaker with his arm and his legs. Nobody has worked harder on improving his throwing accuracy, completely changing his throwing motion than Jalen Hurts. I love this young man. I love everything he stands for. He's everything that's right about sports. And unfortunately, he's so right for the team I hate, the Philadelphia Eagles. I am torn. My emotions are mixed with volatility. Love versus hate versus love versus hate. But as you know, love conquers all. And in the end, my love for Jalen Hurts this week has conquered my hate for the Philadelphia Eagles. Next question. This is Jacob from Ohio who asks, how many Super Bowls have you been to? Operative word, have you been to? Operative phrase, been to. I was fortunate enough, blessed enough. I'm now thankful that right out of college, my first year at the Miami Herald, right out of Vanderbilt University, I got to cover the Super Bowl in Miami for the Miami Herald. It was Super Bowl X featuring my Dallas Cowboys against the Pittsburgh Steelers. My Cowboys, of course, lost that one as they were about to lose Super Bowl thirteen, also to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Super Bowl X came after the 1975 season. That day I was assigned to cover Tom Landry in the locker room. Unfortunately, he was the losing coach. But as I rose up into the ranks in the newspaper business, to feature writer, to lead columnist at the Dallas Morning News when I was 26 years of age, 
I continued to cover Super Bowl after bowl after bowl. I covered 29 straight Super Bowls, sitting in 29 press boxes, looking down upon the show of shows, the Super Bowl. Last one I covered was Patriots, Panthers, New England, Carolina. That was Super Bowl 38 as a newspaper columnist. And then starting in 2004, I was on TV. I did national TV shows called Cold Pizza, then First Take, and now Undisputed. Through that run from 2004 until present, I've attended a lot of Super Bowl weeks, but haven't actually stayed for the game because I had to get back to do my Monday TV show in wherever I was, New York, Bristol, Connecticut, Los Angeles. So I've been to a bunch of Super Bowls without actually attending the game. See, this week, I'm here now. We're doing our shows Thursday, Friday here in Arizona. But I'm going to return on Friday evening to Los Angeles to prepare for our show. And I'll get to the exact moments of those shows, uh, the, that show on Sunday. But we're, we are going to do a show. It's actually at... Um, It'd be 11 Eastern on Sunday morning for an hour on Big Fox, not on FS1, on Big Fox. So we're here for the two shows. Then I return and I will be in L.A. for the actual game. So if you look back at the last 19 years, I I'm going to guess that 15 out of 19 times I did come to the Super Bowl site during the week to do shows. So I guess if you sum it up, I have traveled to the Super Bowl site close to 40 times. I'd say I'm one short, maybe 39, almost 40 times. And here I am again. And I must tell you, it never gets old. I must tell you, I boarded my flight the other day from L.A. to Phoenix, fairly short flight. It was spilling over with people, and it seemed like everybody was going to the Super Bowl, and the captain came on to greet us before takeoff and said, well, I have a pretty good bet where everybody's headed today, and why? And, yep, that whole plane was Super Bowl-bound. Super Bowl. The ultimate party week. Super Bowls become the sports Mardi Gras. Super Bowl has become the equivalent of America's World Cup final. In fact, for me, as hard a core football fan as you will ever find, the Super Bowl is even beyond the World Cup final, which you watched here recently on Fox. Next question. This is Jay from San Diego who asks, are you going to drive around Arizona in another Lamborghini? Ha ha, a callback. You might remember the last time Fox had the Super Bowl was in early 2020, February of 2020, really just a couple, three weeks ahead of, you know what happened, the pandemic hit. I often reflect back on that week, and I wonder how many people 
I meted and greeted after those shows we did. We did five shows that week on South Beach. Might have already been infected with COVID. I don't know. It was already out there. It just hadn't seized control as it was about to. But the point was, at that time, my brother Lil Wayne was living in Miami. And as soon as he realized I was heading for Miami and that I was going to be camped at a hotel not five minutes from his compound, he said, you need a car? Sure. What you got? Well, he had been given a new Lamborghini for playing a concert somewhere. I don't know the details, but he had a Lambo sitting in his garage that had not been driven more than like two miles. He said, why don't you just take my Lambo for the week? And I did. And we posted an occasional picture here or there on social media and it blew up. And it wasn't that big a deal to me, but it seemed to be to our fans of Undisputed and obviously fans of Lil Wayne. I got a great kick out of it. But then we flipped the script because subsequently Wayne moved from Miami to Southern California to out in the Calabasas region, out in the valley, not all too far from where Ernestine and Hazel and I live in West LA. It's about no bad traffic, a 30, 35 minute drive. So now when we wanna see Wayne, we actually drive our own car out to Calabasas area to see Lil Wayne. In fact, we have scheduled to do that a week from this Saturday as I wind down from Super Bowl week. So, speaking of Lil Wayne, just a quick aside before I get to the next question, I would like to congratulate my brother on my podcast for receiving at the Grammys what's called the Global Impact Award. He got that on Saturday evening. You can find the acceptance speech, I'm sure, easily on the internet. Please watch it as he pours his emotions out from his heart about what that award meant to him. And I'd also like to congratulate my brother Lil Wayne for stealing the show, in my humble estimation, in the grand finale on Sunday evening that you might have seen that capped off the Grammys. Lil Wayne doing his part of God Did. And a little behind the scenes point that he relayed to me, if you remember his part, He's walking toward the camera and he confided that it was Jay-Z who after the first take of that shot, it was taped, it wasn't live, said, hey, remember what you did for the music video for Amelie? I said the other day on the podcast, Amelie is my all-time favorite Wayne song. So it was interesting that Jay-Z harked back to Amelie, which dropped in February of 2008. So it's a ways back, 15 odd years ago, 15 years ago. And Wayne said, do what you did in a Millie in the video, which is walk toward the camera with, with so much 
energy, so much spirit, so much swagger. I mean, Wayne in the Amelie video is actually putting on clothes as he walks. So Wayne said, gotcha. And here he came at the camera. And I thought, no offense to the great Jay-Z, that Wayne stole that show. Next question. This is Jackson from New Jersey. Have you ever attended a Super Bowl party? Hmm. Okay, that's interesting, Jackson, because the truth is, for many years, I actually attended what I considered the Super Bowl party. That's the party that was called the Commissioner's Party that was held or staged every Friday night during Super Bowl week. A very private party, a glutton's delight, a bacchanalian feast that featured all the owners, all the top executives in the NFL, and many, many celebrities, along with a few dregs from the earth, we media ink-stained wretches. We got to go also. Oh, the stories I could tell you about those parties, if we could go off the record, maybe we will. Right now I'm staying on the record because those were the parties of all parties. But I assume Jackson is talking about what has evolved into during the Super Bowl parties that have taken over this country. I never thought I would see the day when Super Bowl Sunday would actually turn into a national holiday, a party day, a day to attend evening parties all across the land. I never thought I would see that kind of a day, but that's what it's slowly but surely evolved to. And the league slowly but surely evolved away from the glutton's delight the, the feast that was the commissioner's party on Friday night, because as we went through various pandemics, various problems in this country, financial problems this country suffered, it just didn't seem right to spend that much money on a commissioner's party on Super Bowl Friday night, ahead of Super Bowl Sunday. So that pretty much went away, but now, would I ever attend a real live during the Super Bowl party? J Jackson, not on your life. The last place you would find me is at a Super Bowl party because during any game that I'm going to be forced to debate the following day against my partner, Shannon Sharp, I go into hyper-focus. I don't eat, I don't drink, I just think and I live tweet, as you might know if you follow me on Twitter. Not that I'm some antisocial recluse, but the last thing I need is for people I barely know to keep turning to me during the game and saying, hey, hey, Skip, what did you think of that? I, 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 I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to tweet here. I, I just, I wouldn't have any room in my brain or in my psyche 
to be able to play off a whole bunch of people watching the same game at a Super Bowl party. It would be the last place on earth you would find me. I would be the ultimate Super Bowl party pooper. I would be the ultimate buzz kill in any Super Bowl party scenario. And by the way, if I'm rooting for one of the Super Bowl teams, which I usually am, I do have a tendency to occasionally lose it if I'm losing. And if I lost it at a Super Bowl party, in the age of the camera phone, you want to talk about going viral? Ugh. I, I might not be able to survive what might be all over the internet. So no, I never ever will be caught dead at a Super Bowl party as long as I'm working in this profession. Thank you for the question, Jackson. Which brings me to Kyle from Los Angeles. Where will you watch the Super Bowl? Okay, as I mentioned, two shows here, returning Friday afternoon, Sunday, 11 Eastern, on Big Fox, one hour of Undisputed, me versus Shannon, and I will adjourn, as I always do, to, if you will, my man cave, and the rules will apply as always. I'm sorry. Ernestine, my wife, you cannot bother me for the three hours that the Super Bowl plays out. The only other living thing allowed in my man cave will be our Maltese Hazel, our six-year-old Maltese, my daughter Hazel. She will be asleep at my feet as always during any game I ever watch, football, basketball, baseball, you name it, World Cup, you name it. Hazel will sleep at my feet, and if I do throw a fit, she'll look up with one eye and say, what are you doing? I'll be exactly where I always watch football. This is Dell from San Francisco. Are you placing any Super Bowl bets? Seems like everybody places a Super Bowl bet. Dell, if you do on occasion watch undisputed, you know that the only thing I need to bet is the thing most valuable to me, my most precious commodity, my pride. I bet it on live national TV against Shannon Sharp. Only we bet it's our currency, weirdly, Diet Mountain Dew, because offhand, Shannon said the first day we were on the air, back on September 6th of 2016, something like, you drink Diet Mountain Dew before every show. Yeah, I drink one every day. It's the breakfast of champions. It's the nectar of the gods. It's my caffeine. I just need one jolt of caffeine. I'm not recommending it. It's, it's not the, the ultimate greatest thing you could put in your body, but I really like the taste of Diet Mountain Dew. I like the kick of Diet Mountain Dew. So he said, you drink a Dew before the show yeah okay i'll bring uh, i'll bet you a six pack i think he said and i said a six pack how about a case so there we went i'll bet you a case of diet mountain dew which is now up to 5 10 15 cases depending on the magnitude of the bet so i'm pretty sure that shannon sharp will pick kansas city because he loves my homeboy 
and I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick Jalen Hurts because I love me some Jalen Hurts. And I'm pretty sure we'll bet five cases on the Super Bowl. And I'm pretty sure the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. And I will win five more cases as usual. And I will not be paid off. Next question. This is James from El Paso. By the way, Thursday's Undisputed, we had on an El Paso native by the name of Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers, but I always say Aaron Jones is the more valuable Green Bay Packer. Aaron Jones, the ultimate cowboy killer. He's played my Cowboys three times and has run them off the field all three times, run and caught them off the field because he's still mad that they didn't draft him and he lasted until the fifth round after they had worked him out and Scott Linehan, then the coordinator had said, I think we're going to take you in the third or fourth round. And he went to the fifth round and went to Green Bay and he's still making us pay for it. But this is James from El Paso. If the Cowboys came out of the NFC, would you give them a chance against the Chiefs? Well, I, I thought they were going to at least make it to the, NFC Championship game, and they should have, but don't get me started on that again. If Dak Prescott had just been able to, to repeat the performance at Tampa Bay, at San Francisco, we might be having a different conversation right now, but, but obviously he did not. That Dak Prescott is painfully, monumentally misleading. That Dak Prescott is the quarterback of America's tees, not team, tees, because he is the ultimate America's tees quarterback. So, James, the answer to your question is, I got to see that movie back in 2021, going back two seasons ago. Do you remember this? Dak Prescott had led my Dallas Cowboys to six and two. Here we came. Super Bowl, here we come. And I thought, oh, this will be a great measuring stick because at midseason, we get to go up to Arrowhead and face my homeboy in the stadium he owns and operates. Let's see how we fare against my homeboy. Remember this game? Remember how Dak got exposed? I should have known then. I should have just given up on him that day because the Dallas Cowboys had the football 12 times in that game, 12 possessions for Dak Prescott. He scored three field goals. 12 times Dak had the ball, and Dallas scored nine total points. The final score was 19 to 9. 19 to 9. Patrick Mahomes had a QBR of 51. That's scale of 0 to 100, so he was average, just right at average. He, he threw no touchdown passes and did throw an interception. My defense did everything it needed to do to win the football game because my defense is really, really good. That was rookie Micah Parsons that day, bedeviling Patrick Mahomes. That was my defense holding Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead to 19 points. If my offense scores 20, we win. 
if my offense scores 21, we win. 23, 25, 27, we win. 12 times Dak had the ball, three field goals. That's all I needed to know. I should have known then. I would know now. So no, 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 no. I would give my team no chance of beating Patrick Mahomes in this Super Bowl. Not with Dak Prescott at quarterback. I give my team no chance of getting to the Super Bowl with Dak at quarterback, but that's a whole nother issue. Julian from Shreveport, Louisiana. Do Ernestine and Hazel travel with you on the road? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> they do not. There were a few times earlier in my career. Remember, Ernestine and I have been together. I'm losing track now, and she's going to shoot me for not remembering. I think we've been now 17 years together. There were times earlier in our relationship when here and there she came with me when, when there was an extended trip, like during the NBA Finals. She came one time to San Antonio. This was in 2013 when we were going to be in San Antonio for like five days. But Super Bowl, no. no. The, the problem is, this is a business trip for me. I do see a lot of people. It is a media convention. But my work here and my workout regimen here stay exactly the same. I still get up at 2 a.m. Pacific time, which is actually 3 Mountain time. But... At 2.30 Pacific time, 3.30 here, this morning I was in the hotel gym on the treadmill, cranking away, ran for an hour, ran by myself. There was nobody there. It's a 24-7 hotel gym, wide open, and I was the only one there because I always am. But this is a fairly quick trip. Again, only the Thursday, Friday shows. So I, I left Wednesday right after the show, here for two days, returning late afternoon on Friday. So it just doesn't fit for Ernestine, and she knows I cannot and will not miss a workout. So because Friday night is still scheduled to be date night back in L.A., I'm not flying out until about four hours after the show. So I'm going straight back to the hotel gym to do my weight workout, which I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So by the time I land back in L.A., I will be worked out and be ready for date night. So she's waiting for date night. Hazel is waiting for date night. But no way would I have brought them here to Arizona. By the way, the closer I get to Hazel, Ernestine's not going to like me saying this, the harder it is to leave her. Not that it's not hard to leave Ernestine, but it's just very difficult to leave my dog, Hazel. I hate to even call when When Ernestine says, what about the dog? I say, she's not a dog. She's Hazel. Hazel, I miss you. I, I, I had a hard time leaving the house the other day to go to the airport because I've said goodbye to Ernestine thousands of times because I'm going to come back. But Hazel, I, I don't know. I just I was, I was getting tears in my eyes. So I, I guess I got a problem. But Hazel, I miss you, girl. And we will watch the Super Bowl together on Sunday. This is Tristan from Sherman Oaks, California. Does this weekend mark the start of an Eagles dynasty? What? A, a what? No. 
No, 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 no. Perish the thought. Then again, Jalen Hurts is only 24? Dak Prescott's going on 30? I've had seven years of Dak Prescott, and I might be stuck seven more years of Dak Prescott for all I know. Wait, Jalen Hurts is only 24 years old? And his team is favored to win this Super Bowl? And I think they will win this Super Bowl. And then they have Jalen, and I'm stuck with Dak. Jerry, please do this. I'm going to say it one more time. It makes all the sense in the world. See if Green Bay will take Dak Prescott straight up for Aaron Rodgers, because I believe they would, because they want out from under Aaron as badly as I want out from under Dak, as Cowboy Nation wants out from under Dak. It's, it's a beautiful trade because it fits perfectly under the salary cap. They could sell their fans a quarterback who's 10 years younger than Aaron Rodgers. Let's see if we can change our fate with Dak Prescott. I mean, what's happened the last three playoffs? Aaron Rodgers had two number one seeds coming off MVP years. And at home, he lost an NFC championship game to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At home, he lost a divisional playoff game as the number one seed to Jimmy G as in gag? Are you kidding me? At home, you just saw it. Last regular season game, equivalent of a playoff game. He lost to the Detroit Lions at home on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Green Bay is done with Aaron Rodgers, so let's trade problems. Give me Aaron for two years at age 39 and 40, and I'll take my chances. Maybe a change of scenery. Maybe I need to try ayahuasca. Maybe I just tried some, and you don't know it, because I'm hallucinating. Back to the questions. It's getting a little windy here. Hang on. This is Colin from Ohio, who asks, is Andy Reid on your Mount Rushmore of coaches? Here we go again with the Eagles stuff and the Kansas City stuff. You know, it's funny about Andy Reid. He was one Eagles coach I didn't fear or hate. How, how can you hate Andy Reid? I like him. Big, jovial Santa Claus of a man. I don't know. For all those years, remember, he was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles for 14 years. And I can't even remember him because I was never threatened by him. They did make it to one Super Bowl, and they got Brady'd. It was Donovan McNabb. But they got Brady'd. It really wasn't close. But for 14 seasons, Andy was pretty good. He was 130, 93, and 1. So he won 130 games, lost 93, tied 1. Not bad. Postseason, 10 and 9. I remember one year, Tony Romo beat Donovan McNabb and Andy Reid the final regular season game, which forced a home playoff game in Dallas and beat them again. I don't know. I just never feared Andy because I always thought his teams were soft. A lot of offensive flair, but he loved his players to a fault. And that's why he got fired. They just thought it was a country club. They fired him because it was too easy for those Eagles. 
And would you believe he's now been the Kansas City Chiefs head coach for 10 years? It's, it seems like three, four, but it's 10 years. So because of that veritable drought as the Eagles head coach for 14 years, I, I'm sorry, he's disqualified from Mount Rushmore. So very quickly, my late great friend Bill Walsh, very close to him, used to speak to his classes at the Stanford Business School. He's the greatest coach ever to me as a combination offensive genius and player evaluator. Could he not pick players? Oh, God. He's the one who found Joe Montana in the third round. He's number one. I'll go with Vince Lombardi for all of his dominance in Green Bay, inflicted upon my Cowboys as number two. Tom Landry has to be on my Mount Rushmore. God's coach, as I called him. Just look at the numbers, look at the record. Look at the playoff appearances. Look at the, the Super Bowls. And then it's, it's a close call for me at number four on my Rushmore. Most people would say Belichick's probably number one. He's a Brady product. You, you, you see he's been exposed the last two years, and it's only going to get worse. Tom Brady product. Just remember, Bill Belichick, five years the head coach in Cleveland, was 36 and 44 in Cleveland as the head coach. Then he comes to Foxborough and without Brady the first year, he went five and 11. Then without Brady the first two games of the second year, he lost both the games. Bill Belichick, before Tom Brady fell out of the sixth round out of heaven into his lap, was 41 and 57 as a head coach. 41 and 57 was Bill Belichick. Brady made him. I used to say it was 75% Brady, 25% Belichick. I, it's 90-10. Bill was a very good defensive coordinator. And he rode Brady's coattails to six Super Bowls. I, I'm sorry. I got to go with number four on my Rushmore, Chuck Noll. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. Maybe it's been so long ago you've forgotten. But all his Pittsburgh Steelers teams did, featuring our man Terry Bradshaw at quarterback, was go 4-0 and zero in Super Bowls. 4-0 and oh was Chuck Knoll. 16-8 and eight in playoff games was Chuck Knoll. He coached only one team all the way through from 1969 to 1991. Chuck Knoll was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is Rushmore. Last question. This is Neil from Philadelphia who asks, what kind of Super Bowl prop bets would you recommend placing? I'm not a big prop bet better, but I'll give you a couple. The over-under for this game is 50.5, and I think it will go over. I think the final score is going to be in the range of 30 to 27. So it will go over 50.5. I also think, as I'm about to detail, that Travis Kelsey, the best receiving tight end in the history of this league, will go over 79.5 receiving yards. 79.5 over. I'm looking at a buck 20 because I don't think anybody can stop him, especially an Eagles defense. I don't trust. Sticks in my craw as a Cowboy fan that I watched 
The Philadelphia Eagles, the same team favored by a point and a half in the Super Bowl, allow 40 points on Christmas Eve at Dallas. 40 points. It was 40 to 34. I know Gardner Minshew was the other quarterback. I know Gardner Minshew and company gave us four early Christmas gifts, but we still scored 40 points in that game on a Philly defense that I thought was better than that. I watched Cooper Rush, my quote-unquote backup quarterback, fall behind 20 to nothing at Philadelphia earlier in the season and score 17 unanswered, cut it all the way back to 20 to 17 before Jalen Hurts said, no way, not in my house. So to me, Travis Kelsey will be unguardable. He'll go for a buck 20, and again, it's 79.5 for his over-under, which brings me to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is 49.5 yards rushing over-under, 49.5. I believe Jalen Hurts will rush the ball for 80 yards at a minimum in this game, which leads to my prediction. Jalen Hurts will control this football game. Jalen Hurts will make all the key plays in this football game. Jalen Hurts will close this deal because that's what Jalen Hurts does. He will take over this football game with his legs and his arm. I say he'll rush for 80 yards, and I say he will run a flawless read option attack that will not only win the game, but will win the clock. I believe Philly needs to win the time of possession battle, 35 minutes to 25, which they will because of Jalen Hurts. He is a magician with the football on the read option. He makes nothing but correct decisions, great decisions on the read option. It's why they lead the world in rushing. They're going to run the ball and run it down Kansas City's throat to the tune of 35 minutes of possession time to 25. Mahomes will score when he has the ball because I just don't think Philly's defense is good enough to hold up. If Mahomes had the ball for 35 minutes to 25, they would win going away, but they won't. Jalen Hurts has been in complete control all year, and he will be in complete control of this football game. I say Jalen Hurts puts up 30 points to Patrick Mahomes' 27. Jalen Hurts, 30. Patrick Mahomes, 27. And I still hate the Philadelphia Eagles. That's it for episode 52, live from Arizona. Thank you for listening and or watching. Thanks to Jonathan Berger and his all-pro team for making this show go. Thanks to Tyler Korn for producing. Please remember, Undisputed, every weekday, 9.30 to noon Eastern, The Skip Bayless Show, every week.